Welcome to the Noted Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your co-host, Pierre Rochard, and your other co-host is Michael Goldstein. Michael, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, and if, if you don't know who Michael Goldstein is, he's Bitstein. Same person. Uh, today we People have... get tripped up by that. But... <laughs> yeah. They're like, who's Michael? Oh, Bitstein. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. sometimes I forget. People are like, they, they call me Michael, and I'm like, wait, Who? <laughs> Oh, Bitstein. <laughs> when you're in Starbucks, Michael, what name do you give? Do you say uh, Bitstein or do you say Michael? I usually I usually go Michael. You got to make the full transition. Give the barista your real name. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to dox myself. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, that beautiful voice is uh, James O'Baron. James, how are you? Hey, Pierre. Thanks for having me on again. Doing good. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. And we have a second guest today, Lightning Koala. How are you, Koala? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on as well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I think that pretty much everyone in our audience is a fan of Satoshi's Place. So uh, we're honored to have you as our guest today. It's an honor to be here. Uh, so the reason we brought you two gentlemen on is because of the Chain Code Labs Lightning Application Residency. Uh, which is being run by James and company. Uh, and Lightning Koala is going to be a uh, guest speaker slash mentor there. Um, so I'll let you guys explain what what's going on. Yeah, so um, Chainco Labs in the past has done uh, a number of residencies, I think two, um, that have been pretty successful, but geared more towards general Bitcoin protocol development and, and getting people ramped up on uh, a lot of the historical context of Bitcoin, the design principles, a, a general you know, broad familiarity with the intent of um, you know, getting more core developers up and running. Um, and uh, a few months ago, um, in the midst of, of fiddling around with, with Koala's wonderful invention, Satoshi Place, Satoshi's Place, um, John Newberry, who also works at Chaincode and has, is a venerated previous guest of the Noted Podcast, uh, came up with the idea that, that we should do another residency based around Lightning application development specifically and not protocol development because we were so excited by um, Satoshi's Place and uh, yalls.org and uh, a lot of the other applications that were that were being built on top of Lightning, um, and so we just we wanted to see more of those. Um, and so uh, John uh, talked to a few people, shot around a few uh, Twitter messages, and um, got together a really exciting lineup of um, mentors who would come and speak. And so uh, yeah, so we're in the midst right now of that, uh, accepting applications for this thing and. Um, we're excited to hang out with Koala and uh, and a bunch of other cool people for a week. Yeah, so you've also got uh, Chris Stewart from Shirt Bits and Christian Decker from Blockstream, Elaine Wu, who everyone knows from Twitter, yeah. uh, Jack Mahlers, Justin Camarena, and uh, yeah, Koala. 
Yeah, everybody, um, everybody speaking at this thing is um, really well established, has done really, really impressive work. Um, if you haven't seen Elaine's talk on um, weak frequency protocol mapping for Bitcoin, it's that's like super fascinating. Jack Mahler's did uh, the Zap Wallet, which uh, is probably the most beautiful uh, lightning related UX out there so far. Um, Justin Camarina uh, is an engineer at BitRefill, and he did um, he led their uh, their Lightning integration, and obviously BitRefill um, has been huge for Lightning in terms of uh, driving some real world adoption. So uh, it's it's a really great group of people. Awesome, uh, and Koala, I I think that like one of the one of the biggest challenges with a Lightning application is coming up with something that's original and engaging for both people who are into Bitcoin and also people who are just kind of on the sidelines. Um, we're, we're, how did you get the idea of Satoshi's Place in the first place? Um, so I was planning on going over this uh, during the, the residency. So some of my slides like go over um, one, of, one of the slides, was one of the talks will be about like building Satoshi's Place and I'll go over some of the history, but uh, the idea came about, um, so actually I'll be getting married next year and I was thinking, oh, it'd be cool to make like a game to depict like the story between me and my girlfriend. And and then at the time it was like uh, March, February, March, uh, I was messing around with like lightning nodes and I thought, oh, it'd be cool to like make something um related to this and then at some point i thought oh so like with bitcoin being digital and and stuff like one of the issues is you can't make it rain um <laughs> but with lightning uh, you could and so i thought ah wouldn't it be cool to come up with a an application so you'd be like uh you know at it on stage like giving a talk and then people could connect to your application and then you could like send them satoshis and then i realize okay this this is like harder than it seems because um various reasons uh, and then i thought okay well what's the simplest what's a simpler idea and then i started exploring um so like having something like street fighter where you could like fight with somebody and then like the health bar would be your um satoshis that you lose if somebody punches you or hadoukens you and stuff and and then I thought, okay, well, that's even more complicated because now you're like having to send bidirectional payments and stuff. So um, I can't actually remember like how I thought of Satoshi's Place, but obviously like the inspiration was uh, Reddit Place, which happened last year. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, they, they did this thing during April Fools where um, uh, you could paint a single pixel uh any of like 16 colors and then you'd have to wait like five minutes or something uh until you painted another pixel and it kind of like spawned this um sort of social experiment where people had to kind of get together to paint something um more significant than like you know something small and then there was like these war these flag wars between like germany and france and like that turned into like the european union and then like it, it was just basically like all of internet culture in like this this canvas and i was like fascinated with, with this thing and so yeah I, I don't remember exactly how but at some point i thought oh well 
why don't we just do that with lightning and then uh, make it so that uh, instead of signing up and doing all that stuff like you could just paint a single pixel um, by paying a single satoshi um, and then yeah that, that's kind of sort of the, the genesis of the idea and what was your software development background before starting on satoshi's place uh, yeah, I've been a web developer for over 10 years now. Um, been working um, with like React and stuff. And uh, I'm a contractor in, in London, so I do various jobs. Like um, at the moment, I'm actually free and trying to focus on Lightning. But um, yeah, I think that was sort of the angle I was coming from, like focusing on the user experience uh, and trying to Basically, I, want, I wanted somebody who uh, tried Lightning for the first time to have a place where they could just, um, you know, install a wallet. And then the first thing you think about is like, okay, where, where can I try this out? I want to see this working, right? And at the time, you already had stuff like Yalls, which is amazing, and a and, um, couple of other things. But I wanted like the rock bottom, like, you know, one satoshi like the tiniest amount possible uh and and sort of an immediate feedback of like you know you paint something and you immediately see it there and then um yeah and then that's kind of um and then people started doing that programmatically right where they would have like a script that put a full image on there yeah so the whole thing is is running on like an api and um I, I just like released it and I didn't put any details about the API. I was planning on doing it, but people kind of reverse engineered it. They figured out how to do it. And then they did some crazy stuff. Like at, at some point they like painted the whole board with the FBI seizure notice and then yeah, that, reverted that was, it. Uh, that was us. <laughs> that was you guys. Yeah, that was, Oh yeah. Maybe oh my God. <laughs> but we were shocked because, well, I'll let you finish the story. It's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good story. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you guys reverted it. Uh, no, that's the that's the crazy part. Is that so? We we painted the FBI takedown on there, um, of course, like sparing the chain code logo, uh, and then we saw gradually that someone had, I guess, taken a snapshot before we had done that and repainted it, and so they completely reverted our change. And so I, I was convinced that you had done it. No, I, I was like hands up. I was like, let this thing roll. Let people. The only, actually, the only thing I painted was the the koala uh, early on, and then people made like turned me into a Pepe, and, <laughs> and made made me puke into a toilet. And it's yeah, that's the only thing I did. It was just hands off most of it. What was what what were what have been some of the craziest things you've seen? Like you know, funniest or weirdest or uh, on the board? Yeah. Um, so in the early days, let's say a lot of it was like hand painted, like before a lot of people started figuring out how to do the API, um, there was a lot of like small hand painted stuff. So there was like this, uh, uh, Nazi, uh, swastika that like turned into a penis horse and then they <laughs> put like Roger Ver writing on it <laughs> and then, um, yeah, they got the Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, and then they they got like Elizabeth Stark on it at some point, and I think it was, 
um, yeah, the Pringles guy, they like changed his eyes. So he would be like looking up at her. Um, <laughs> the great thing I liked about the Elizabeth Stark is it seemed like everyone was protecting the Stark. Yeah. So there was all yeah, this yeah. stuff going, but we, you know, I got to keep Elizabeth safe. So I actually, I, I coincidentally ran into Elizabeth on the docks in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn that night that, that like her image got put up there and, and it was like, a it, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty stressful. Like she was like, <laughs> she was like watching Satoshi's place she and was I was nervous. just like, oh man, to be in that position has got to be, uh, has got to be pretty stressful. Um, <laughs> but it was exciting. Yeah. Um, so it's still it's still evolving to this day, right? Um, how how frequent are the updates on it? Yeah, I, I look at it every now and then. It's um, it's it's trickled down like to maybe about ten ten updates per day. Yeah, five or ten, um, roughly in like the thousands of pixels being changed per day, which is, I mean, it's 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 cool. Uh, I didn't expect it anything to be honest, like. To come out of this and um if anything like in in june when um when it kind of blew up and i was looking at the stats and it like it ran up to like ten thousand uh people visiting the site on on that was like the peak and then it was like nine thousand on either side and it was a really nice way to to get a snapshot of like oh this is a good estimate of like how many people are um already playing with lightning because um, obviously we know how many nodes are out there and stuff, but um, yeah, it was it was nice to see sort of like what's the size that, uh, of the community, um, and then if you take that into account and consider like um, how much potential this has to grow, then it's really exciting to think about like what the next applications are going to be and how they're going to be able to draw those audiences in. Do you, do you have people pitching you ideas all the time now? Uh, I had a couple, yeah, yeah. I went to the uh, building on Bitcoin conference in Lisbon, and there was a couple of cool people there that were building stuff like um, Unity plugins, uh, some Minecraft stuff. Um, somebody demoed me a, a, a game where they they had these like tanks fighting, and you could um, spin up a QR code, and if you pay it, it would like give one of the players a power up um, and yeah, just some really cool stuff. I think people were pretty inspired. Are you shilling uh, the lightning residency to those people relentlessly? You're going to get the uh, reply? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So Good. let's, let's shill it some more here. So it's October 22nd to the 26th yeah. in New York city. Um, if yeah, and you know this isn't one of those things where it, like it costs you like six thousand dollars to uh, sign up or whatever. Um, no, in fact, quite the opposite. If you need financial help, uh, they do have opportunities for having uh, a stipe or uh, travel and lodging, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. So we'll we'll foot the airfare and the lodging, and there will be lunch uh, during the day. So um, it's a it's a it's a pretty darn good deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like, uh, uh, equivalent, uh, equivalent sorts of, uh, formats in other industries would, you know, cost thousands of dollars, like you said. So, um, we're actually subsidizing people to come and do this. So it's, it's a really cool thing. Awesome. 
Uh, and Koala, how would you compare developing on top of Lightning with general other web development environments, right? Like interacting with a database or uh, other APIs, like, uh, and have you worked with like Stripe or other payment providers? Um, I've worked with PayPal before. Um, and I actually used to do, um, like a lot of credit card validation for, um, one of the, uh, train companies here in the UK that they had a lot of like customers coming through their website and such a pain in the ass. Like, I mean, credit cards, using credit cards online, is just such a horrible UX. It's like a very easy win for, for lightning to, to, um, make users like more, uh, so like apparently 70% of people stop their like payment, their, their purchase flow at the payment, um, because you know, there's a lot of friction, uh, but with lightning, it's pretty cool because it's just a QR code. There's no risk of like frauds and yeah. Uh, in terms of development, I think on the application side, it's actually really, really easy. Um, because you're, I mean, it's just like a REST API call, um, and the, and then you're listening to like an event to, to, to get the payment and you don't need to worry about like confirmations and stuff. So that's, that makes it really easy. Um, in fact, it's like final settlement, um, in terms, but then like, in terms of like running a node and then all that stuff, then yeah, that's, that's the other part that you need to worry about. But, um, I think that stuff is getting like really, really easy to do now. Like BTC pay, I think supports, um, lightning now. There's like these, these guys built, um, the Raspi bolts, I think, mm -hmm. uh, and like a couple of people, I saw today's people are already like shipping out full like units where you can just, if you can't be bothered to build, build it yourself, you can just, uh, buy it, buy a Raspberry Pi that's already pre-built and installed with everything. Um, if I remember correctly, you're, you were running this on a Raspberry Pi, like out of your closet. Yeah. It's like back there. Uh, <laughs> The, the holy shrine is back there. <laughs> yeah, the whole game like runs on that. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, actually uh, Odroids XU uh, something. Yeah, Odroids like the the more savvy version. The, the Odroids the thinking man's Raspberry Pi, in my yeah. humble opinion. Yeah, the hipster Raspberry Pi. Yeah, yeah. Um, Koala, I'm kind of interested. Um, one of the things that I think of a bit about is like running an LND node myself. I worry a lot about uh, backup because um, mm -hmm. obviously there's a lot of peripheral information when you run a lightning node that you need to keep track of like the commitment transactions. Um, there are a lot of like revocation keys per channel. Um, and that's all, that's all this kind of like extra metadata that you really need to have on hand. Um, one thing I worry about is, is if, you know, the node were to crash if, if my machine were to go down and, you know, the hard drive gets scrambled or whatever, uh, you lose that, that metadata. You can't just like come online and sort of claim your funds um, if you're lacking that data. So like, how do you, do you think about doing backups um, with the Odroid setup or how do you, how do you think um, about that stuff? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a tricky uh, subject right now because I don't, so I'm running C lightning and I, there's, there isn't like a convenient way to do backups right now. Uh, so even if you were to like 
snapshot your your drive um then you know you might run into like you'll, you'll fall behind basically like very quickly um in like any particular channel state and then if you if your node crashes and then you were to like restore that backup then it's gonna trigger the um, the punishment um so it's yeah that's that's actually really tricky but i think with lnd they've already got something or they're working on it um yeah i think it's a working progress right now um, um i don't have a good answer for that unfortunately yeah that's like um in my mind in the you know like the reckless indicator um that's the that's my chief concern it's not really like necessarily a vulnerability in the protocol or or in any implementation of it it's like what happens when my machine shits the bed and and i lose a yeah. channel state yeah um there's other things like uh running the the lightning directory off of the drive instead of the sd card otherwise you like eat it up and then that's going to blow up mm -hmm. quicker um yeah and then that once it's on uh sorry i meant ssd card um sorry S ssg drive sd card yeah um and then once it's on the ssd drive then you should be able to like port it i mean if the actual hardware like breaks then doesn't matter because the data is all in the ssd drive mm -hmm. uh, so the issue would be like in the drive failure i think um the other day i actually ran a backup on the because um, i wanted to like back up the blockchain data because i'm syncing everything from this node and then obviously um uh you know i don't want to use torrents and stuff to download the blockchain data so so i did that so i but i actually had like i had to bring the node down uh back up the drive and then there was just like a bit of maintenance and off of time so i've thought about maybe you know coming up so for the bigger applications that require more redundancy perhaps doing things like uh, having multiple nodes um, so you could probably like um, bring one of them down and then do maintenance and then but use the other node um, yeah on that like my thought is that the node should basically be stateless in the sense that it could you know go down and you know it's if if you were running it in a cloud environment you could uh, spin up another instance, and it would get all of its state from a relational database that has all of your, like, your application is communicating with the relational database, and then the nodes are kind of just on the edge communicating between your relational database and the Lightning Network. Yeah, that'd be a nice yeah. way to do it. So it's kind of more like a microservices setup than uh, the the current architecture where you have to maintain state both on the node and on whatever else, uh, you know, persistence you have. Yep, yep. Koala, if I remember, uh, running Satoshi's place uh, acted as like a pretty good stress test um, and revealed, uh, you know, inf good, useful information about how to uh, better develop uh, some of the Lightning software. Can you expound on some of the stuff that was kind of revealed by having the first like widely used uh, lightning app? Yeah, there was um, two bugs that surfaced um, just for the, like the sheer amount of invoices that were coming, they were being generated. Uh, so there was like one race condition somewhere, I can't remember off the top of my head, 
uh, but like Christian Decker and um, um, Rusty, um, basically they, I got in touch with them through the IRC channel and um, they helped me fix, well, yeah, they helped me fix the issue. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's part of, part of this. I mean, it's everything's so new. Like, um, like the other day I was running um, Lightning Spark from um, um, Shazek, I think it's how you pronounce it. Um, Shashek. He's a, yeah. Um, and, and I also ran into like, some performance issues and I was talking to him and um, he said that, yeah, like it's, it's interesting when, when you have nodes that like have a lot of channels or like have a lot of usage, like um, they actually stress, stress test a lot of these implementations and yeah. So, so it's good. It's, it's, um, it's good that um, yeah, these applications help the developers find bugs. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And we saw that there's a new version of both C Lightning and LND that's coming up. Uh, have, have you guys looked into those at all, or uh, waiting for them to be released? I haven't looked into the alphas uh, for for LND. It's what zero point five point zero. I think so. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't um, looked at that stuff yet. I, oh, actually, I so the 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 notification came up on my RSS reader, and I clicked in, but all the the like feature write-ups were to dude by roast beef so he's got I, I when i looked they uh there wasn't uh, anything to be read there roast beef is a machine uh when it comes to putting out code oh my god um and <laughs> so the other uh big recent lightning development was with the um merging of jim post pull request in bitcoin core uh, which is the first step to having uh, Bitcoin Core, you know, the original, the inheritor of Satoshi's code base uh, to support a new form of quote-unquote SPV um, that essentially on, on the Lightning side is called or referred to as Neutrino. Do you want to explain what what how this improves over the previous version of SPV and why it's better for Lightning? Sorry, I missed. Uh, I missed all the question. It was my connection was kind of stuttering. Uh, that's all right. Uh, the, the question is on this new method of SPV that's among Lightning people is called Neutrino, uh, and why it's better than old SPV and the latest news on that. Oh yeah. Okay. So um, the uh, uh, the current state of SPV as implemented in um, uh, various places is um, this idea that uh, if you're a client looking to uh, verify the existence of a transaction in the blockchain, you send out this thing called a bloom filter, which is basically um, a way of probabilistically determining um, whether a block contains some information that you're interested in. So the idea is you send out this filter, you run it, you have, you have nodes, um, run it over every block, and then um, give you back the blocks that are that are potentially of interest to you. Um, this uh, new neutrino format basically has like kind of flips that on its head, and it has a bloom filter associated with each block. Um, and uh, I actually haven't read up on how it interfaces with with Lightning, but um, I know that it's it's basically 
supposed to be a lot more privacy preserving. Um, and uh, I, I think that, that in any case now you can, uh, one, one recent development in LND is that you can actually um, back it with a pruned Bitcoin node. Um, but uh, the idea would be that if you can use an SPV client to back uh, your Lightning instance, then you, you, you don't have to, you're not burdened with storing and syncing the entire blockchain. You can just kind of um, uh, fetch blocks as needed. Which answers one of the questions from our audience, which was, how far away are we from seeing Bitcoin Core slash Lightning nodes that run on mobile phones? Now, Bitcoin Core nodes, I think that that's kind of a, a stretch given that the highest capacity iPhone is 256 gigabytes. But, you know, granted, you could be pruning, but it's really the, the bandwidth is the, the, the killer problem there. Um, but Lightning nodes, uh, much lower bandwidth, right? Yeah, that's um, it's kind of interesting. I think right now, uh, Async's wallet called Eclair. Um, which is the only Lightning mobile wallet that I'm aware of at the moment. Um, that allows you to send payments, um, but it doesn't actually allow you to receive Lightning payments. And the reason for that is that if you're holding a balance on an open channel, you your node needs to be actively polling the underlying blockchain um, to verify that your counterparty hasn't um, issued a, a, a previous commitment transaction and like you know might be trying to misrepresent the state of the channel to the blockchain. So um, your node needs liveness uh, on the on the network. Um, and obviously, if you're carrying around a cell phone and you walk into Yosemite or something, you know you lose you lose connection. Um, so I think the developers of Eclair decided that it was safe to be able to send from mobile phones. Um, but it's not safe to actually um, hold the balance on an open channel from an open phone uh, from a mobile phone. Um, I don't I don't really know how that's how that's going to shake out in terms of um, enabling um, mobile use of Lightning. I th I think likely what we'll see is a, a kind of protocol, and I know again the Lightning Labs guys are working on this um, for watchtowers, where you're basically delegating the duty of, of watching the blockchain to someone else. And, um, you know, maybe you can do this in a sort of trustless way where you make a contract with them and you say, uh, hey, if you catch someone defrauding me on these channels, then um, you'll get 2% of, you know, the, the total recovered balance when you catch them cheating. Um, so I know people are thinking about this. So the, uh, the, the promise of a mobile lightning wallet um, will probably come to pass. It's just a I'm I'm personally murky on the details. Maybe there is a, there's more development out there that I don't know about. I know Jack Mallers is working on a uh, iOS Zap app, um, but I'm I, I don't know how he's uh, addressing those issues you described. Mm -hmm. All right, I've got another question here, and this one's a little thornier. How are Lightning Network channels vulnerable to Bitcoin chain splits slash reorgs? How about from inaccurate block time stamping from a dishonest miner. Yeah, this is a good one. And uh, like you said, it's thorny. So um, there are basically like two axes to these questions. You've basically got three different kinds of network faults. You've got the chain split, the reorg, um, and then you've got inaccurate block time stamping. So we gotta, we've got to kind of slice along that axis. And then you've got a second axis in my mind, which is where stuff can go wrong in a lightning channel. Um, and Largely, uh, for me, that amounts to the funding transaction, which is the transact the initial transaction that you make on the blockchain 
to, um, to set up the lightning channel, and then the closing transaction, um, which is obviously the final settlement per the blockchain. Um, obviously, those are the two events that we care about because if we're talking about network failures on the blockchain, then those are the two points of interaction. The stuff that happens in between, the commitment transactions, um, those are, uh, well, I guess the, the uh, HTLC clauses for timeouts happen in commitment transactions, but those are ultimately broadcast as, as uh, closing, closing transactions. So anyway, um, let's, let's dive into uh, the first case here, which is a, a chain split. Uh, with a chain split, I think basically the same rules apply as for regular transactions. Um, if, if, the, if one of the underlying chains that's split off doesn't implement some kind of replay protection, then basically any um, activity on the Lightning Channel can potentially be replayed onto both chains. Um, so I don't, I don't see much of a difference there in terms of a regular Bitcoin transaction if you're talking about a chain split. Um, if we're talking about a reorg, then there, there are a few cases to look out for. So you can imagine if you're in like a retail setting, if you walk into Starbucks and, um, want to say like open up a lightning channel with, with Starbucks, you don't have a pre-existing relationship. So you want to open a lightning channel so you can buy your cup of coffee. Um, well, presumably the right consumer experience there would be to open the channel, then immediately broadcast, immediately give Starbucks a commitment transaction. But what might happen under a reorg say is let's say that Starbucks requires only one confirmation um, uh, to, to assume that the open channel is valid. Well, if you can then reorg out the funding transaction, um, you might still be giving Starbucks what look like offline as valid commitment transactions, but um, obviously the channel state is now invalid relative to the underlying Bitcoin blockchain. So, um, so, so Starbucks would be in trouble and you would be defrauding them. So that's, that's in the case of uh, the funding transaction. Um, in the case of the closing transaction, um, one kind of interesting case here is um, the check lock time verify uh, clause in the, in the hash time lock contract. So what happens basically is um, if someone broadcasts a, uh, um, there's, there's a clause in the commitment transactions that allows someone to claim all the funds or, or their share of the funds, which may be, you know, in an outdated state uh, after some period of time passes. And this is, um, this is enabled by using the, the check lock time verify opcode, which is important because check lock time verify um, goes off of like an absolute like wall clock time basically. Um, and uh, it's not a, a check sequence verify, which is like a relative um, like, uh, like block height. Um, so, so what like I could see happening here is um, maybe someone goes to uh, like, like maybe someone tries to defraud you and then for some reason, like you wait until the last minute to actually try and uh, use your timeout claim and then they do a reorg and that kind of sets you back some real wall clock time. But then um, all of a sudden, uh, by the time the reorg has done, you know, it's, 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 it's later on and you can no longer use that timeout claim. So that's, that's pretty edge casey. I, I couldn't really see that happening too often, but I guess that's something to consider. Um, and then in the last case of um, inaccurate block time stamping from a dishonest miner. Uh, so basically, um, Bitcoin uh, doesn't really disqualify 
Bitcoin doesn't assume perfect time synchronization across nodes uh, because that's just not a thing. You know, you would need you would need like a distributed consensus system like Bitcoin to even solve that problem in the first place. So, um, what happens is uh, Bitcoin allows for sort of a radius around. Um, uh, it, it allows basically a block to appear to be two hours in the future from what the validating node um, uh, thinks is the right time. So again, um, because of the check lock time verify. Uh, you, uh, I guess, like maybe within a two-hour window, uh, you could get a, a, a transaction validated that, um, like, a closing transaction that, you, that that's that's not legitimate. But I, you would never set like I don't think in the HTLC you would set the check lock time verify parameter to to be like sensitive to two hours. So um, I, I don't think that's a real concern either. Um, if you want to read more on this stuff. Um, there's a, a bolt, bolt number five. Uh, bolts are like basically the RFCs for Lightning. Um, and so you can go read, it's called uh, Recommendations for Handling On-Chain Transactions. And they talk a little bit about um, how implementing nodes should handle um, uh, watching the underlying blockchain. So that's a good resource there. Interesting. Um so I, I hope everyone followed along with that. And if that went over your head, then go check out Andreas Antonopoulos' Mastering Bitcoin. Uh, read that through and then come back <laughs> to the podcast and listen to James again. That way you'll be able to keep up. Um, so let's let's hit another question here. And this one's kind of more, um, maybe more political and less technical. I'm concerned about Bitcoin scaling aren't we all, uh, even with Lightning and SegWit. There are articles mathematically proving, quote-unquote, that both technologies can't scale Bitcoin usage beyond a certain number of transactions, especially when it's supposed to be used on a global level. Can you guys shed some light on that and also tell whether there are plans to solve this seemingly never-ending or unavoidable problem? And that's from at uh, GeckoZoo on Twitter. Koala, cool. you want to take a crack at this? And then, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, scaling is a moving target, like, um, just like with the internet, um, we never thought it would be able to stream like 4k video. Um, I mean, I remember downloading MP3s and taking like two hours to download a single song. Um, it's just, I think lightning and SegWit are doing a pretty good job at like pushing us to the next um, plateau. Um, I wouldn't really underestimate um, what's coming down the line. I mean, we've already got like Schnorr signatures, um, Mast and like a bunch of other like crazy stuff uh, coming down the line. So um, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's something that really doesn't concern me. Yeah, it, it's, it's strange when people hold the existing technology constant and then the adoption as variable in the future. It's like, well, th- those are both variable. Like those are both going to change. I don't know why you would hold one as static. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody, I, I heard, I think it was Dettelnix, uh, I could be wrong about that, make a kind of nuanced argument against Lightning. And it went something like, Basically, the amount of Bitcoin that you'd need to lock up in order to facilitate uh, sufficient payment liquidity or like to, to 
enable everyone to get the payments that they want done routed through the Lightning Network requires like a, a like a, a huge amount of capital locked up relative to the kind of volume that would be supporting. And um, my response to that is that it really depends on the kind of patterns that you're seeing in payments. You know, if you have say Coinbase and Bitfinex um, swapping, you know, Bitcoin back and forth all day and they can open a single channel, you know, at a hundred Bitcoin and they're doing like, you know, say five transactions per second, like that's a whole lot of uh, um, transact transaction volume that you've amortized over that channel, which is, you know, uh, uh, an opportunity cost of 100 Bitcoin a day or whatever. Um, and that's a huge scaling win. But but if you assume that, you know, a- any given participant is only going to use any given um, channel, you know, once throughout the course of that channel, then yeah, I think that that might be a valid criticism. But um, but I don't think that's the kind of use case that, that you would see. Yeah. And it's another argument that I've heard is that uh, what if there's like a run on lightning, essentially uh, many people trying to close a channel or, you know, channels at the same time. And obviously that would cause fees on chain to spike and could like even make them the on-chain fees go so high that it becomes like almost uneconomical to close the channel. Do you think that there's any merit to the concerns like that? That's kind of interesting. I think that that argues for setting your timeouts to be fairly conservatively long, but like that, that also cuts both ways, right? Like if you can't spend a legitimate closing transaction, then presumably they can't spend uh, uh, a transaction, you know, stealing your funds. Um, I guess that turns into more of a race, which is unfortunate at that point, but you should be setting pretty conservative timeouts. What's the, what's the longest timeout that our people, people are setting it to? It varies a lot. Um, I'm trying to think about the longest that I've seen. I've, I, I've, I've seen 144 blocks. I think that's, that's kind of typical. That's what a day's worth. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Because, you know, in, in December, we saw fees spike up for a good month. So you could conceivably have a situation where because there's something going on in the crypto markets and, you know, you could imagine a confluence of events that make it so that, you know, you got a whole month of uh, difficulty transacting on the network. That's a good point. Um, the, so the one consideration to keep in mind there is that the longer that you set your timeout, the more vulnerable you are to having coins locked up for an indefinite period of time if your counterparty goes offline. So that's that's the one trick there. Um, actually, something I'm looking at doing on L&D right now is supporting um, or, or yeah, like, um, yeah, you're right in, in terms of a, a fee market. Um, that that's really unfavorable um, and having say like your your closing transaction get stuck in the mempool or something. Um, so one of the things I'm looking at doing with LND guys is working on kind of a generic bump fee mechanism um, because right now there's there's not a, an easy built-in way to just kind of bump the fee on whatever your whatever transaction you're dealing with. Um, so I think enabling like RBF for for commitment transactions. Um, is going to be really, really important to kind of avoid those. So, so for now, um, people should be setting very conservatively high fee rates, I think for the, for the channels that they open, because we don't know when the next spike is going to happen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sound really reckless, but I almost feel like I want to see these scenarios play out 
because just like when we saw the fee spike up last year, like there's a tremendous amount of information that we were we were able to gather from them to actually see like um, live, like what are the effects of, of something like this. So yeah, I think that's kind of the nature of Bitcoin as well. It's just like, let's talk more rock. Let's, let's just reckless, do it. <laughs> reckless as a virtue. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean after the with with the whole uh, fee spiking thing, that that uh, finally incentivized uh, the implementation of um, wallet software that had been recommended for years, uh, but had not. No one had gotten around to actually doing it, uh, or or stuff like SegWit as well. But you know, SegWit finally getting SegWit implemented as well as uh, batching transactions. Those were, I think, the two major. Um, things, uh, but having having that stress force people into the situation of having to implement that. So I can also see how putting that kind of stress on Lightning would um, incentivize people to actually have to think about those those problems. Yeah. yeah, and it's almost like the sooner that happens, the better. I mean, you don't want to. The, the later it happens, it's like the worst, right? Like, well, if the if the economy and and the Bitcoin economy and, and the network uh, becomes the, the bigger it becomes, the the worse the effects would be, I guess. So, so with all these with all these scenarios, like I like privacy, for instance, like I almost feel like the sooner governments start attacking Bitcoin in terms of privacy, the better, because then we'll actually like tackle that problem. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a bit masochistic of me. But, <laughs> but it it goes with the principle of it being anti fragile, right? So uh, if though I think that the longer we wait. Um, when a vulnerability it is discovered, uh, the worse it is for Bitcoin uh, because it hasn't had the uh, time to adapt and the, uh, you know, and I say Bitcoin, but really like at the end of the day, it's a bunch of people, right? So uh, the less people have thought about specific problems, the uh, fewer solutions we'll have when the problem crops up. Um, Speaking of problems, I've got another problem here. Uh, Bitcoin is lacking in a way to do recurring payments slash subscriptions. Can this be done using the Lightning Network in a consumer-friendly way? So this is, this is um, I think this is an especially big problem today given how important the recurring revenue model is for like SaaS businesses online. And so they, they do expect you to have the ability to pull money out of someone's account, uh, whether it's a credit card or a checking account. But Bitcoin has always been a push system where the the spender has to deliberately go out of their way to sign a transaction and send it. Um, so we have to wonder, is there going to be a happy medium? or Also the case of people wanting to contribute money to the noted Bitcoin podcast on a monthly basis uh, on Patreon. Patreon.com slash noted. Subscribe now. <laughs> um, I was on a flight last week and I tried buying some one of those horrible in-flight sandwiches, um, and they didn't take my cards. It was a, a prepaid debit card. They didn't take it um, because it was prepaid. Whereas if it was a credit card, then it would have been fine. And I, I felt something that there was something really perverse about that. It was just like the notion of like, oh, we can't pull the money out of your account therefore uh you can't use this with um with the the subscription model it's also 
I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like uh, split up about it because um, if you think about, for example, um, gym memberships, like they they bank on the fact that you're going to sign up for it, but then you're not going to turn up. And so the number of like memberships they have um, uh, is is way above the capacity of the gym. And they know that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's to me, it's it's I don't know if it's going to be a case of like re-educating people in the sense that they, they're going to need to get used to um, uh, doing things in a in a push transaction and specifically with with uh, lightning. I mean, I can imagine something like, OK, uh, a yearly subscription, sorry, a monthly subscription for a year would just be 12 invoices and uh, I load them up in my app and I tell my app, hey, pay this for the next 12 months. Uh, yeah, for the next 12 months. Um, that's sort of like the simplest uh, UX I can think of from a user. And it would be nice because you have a lot more control into like what you're paying out and yeah. Have like a Chrome job running. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just spitballing here a bit. I also wonder, you know, Lightning to me is very much, uh, you know, uh, you know, Bitcoin Cash, you know, on the internet is it's it's a much easier way to just show up and and do a final settlement very quickly uh, with arbitrary people online. Uh, whereas the pull thing, it, it almost kind of has a, a bit of a. a credit thing imbued into it and at least how we conceptualize how we're how we're doing it right now uh you know because we're not thinking in terms of running cron cron jobs on our visa cards so with that in mind um i wonder if that's actually that that'll be a, a case where we tend towards using trusted third parties uh, for for a given amount of our economic uh, transactions because they also are able to provide the services of fraud detection and uh, doing things like the the chargebacks and these things that are good we just don't want them at the base layer of the money uh, because of how it's uh, misused for the expropriation of wealth. Yeah, exactly. If you want that, you can build that on top of a push system, but you can't have it the other way around. You can't build a push system on top of a pull system. So. It would be really interesting to see people reinvent credit cards in a uh, on on Lightning Network or on Bitcoin itself, um, because I think that they've kind of become ossified, right? And they're just coasting on the fact that they've got these huge networks built up. But they're they're you could rethink it from first principles. I, I imagine too, there's a sort of like McLuhan thing going on here, where it's like you know the the medium is the message, where we kind of we, maybe we have to see how Bitcoin actually uh, forges its, the, the universe around it, such that you know the the current modes of us uh, trading and, and uh, exchanging goods and services for money uh, is perhaps dependent on the services that have been able to be built, and so perhaps you know just by the fact that like once once these technologies have um, you know, uh, subsume the economy, the very way that we're, we're doing things changes too. Um, and thus, you know, it, it could be something that is, is very similar to what we see right now, but it also could be how, you know, uh, 
different communication platforms have like fundamentally changed how we even talk to one another. Likewise, when you finally have lightning at a large scale and Bitcoin at a large scale, the very way that we're even thinking about day to day or, uh, you know, basic business to business transactions uh, is is completely different. So are, are you saying that, like, for example, gyms would have to be really nice because they have to get a payment out of you every month? And so they would like really, you know, they'd be a better quality service. Hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, Bitcoin can only do so much. <laughs> I don't know about the credit card thing. I, credit for consumption like like that, to me, it's, it's a bit, um, yeah. I, maybe it's because I come from, from a different culture and we, didn't, we don't really have such a high emphasis on like using credit cards. That's, that's a good point too, because you know, how much, how much of our credit system is actually uh, stemming from the fact that we live in a, in an unsound money economy and thus yeah. how much more would people just naturally by virtue of having a money that they save, um, you know, or how, how much would they be, be transacting on a more cash basis? Um, just because of that, rather than anything else. Yeah. All right, dude, do we have any more on uh, that topic of subscriptions? I'll go to the next question, uh, which is from a, a patron of ours, Matthew. He asks, are you already in the process of selecting Lightning Residency candidates from the applications? P.S. Pick me. I applied. <laughs> Cool. Uh, thanks for applying, Matthew. Um, yeah, we're, we're currently in the process of reviewing applications. Um, we haven't uh, sent out any acceptances um, yet. So uh, we're, we're going, we're trying to go throughout each application a few times to make sure everybody gets a fair shake. Um, so we hope to start letting people know sometime probably, or like we'll, we'll probably start reaching out to people um, sometime in the uh, probably seven days from now or so. Um, so uh, keep your eyes peeled. But yeah, sorry we haven't gotten back to anyone who's applied yet. We've received applications. We're, we're checking you out. Um, so keep applying early and often. What are, the, what are the type of people you are looking for? What kind of uh, prior background do you expect out of people? Um, what, what makes the best candidate? Yeah, really, we're, we're looking for people um, who are comfortable developing uh, applications, whether they're, you know, usually, usually you find people who are, are web-based developers, but even if you're a game developer or a desktop developer, um, people, you know, who are relatively plucky and can kind of put together a full-stack application um, from scratch. The idea is that you, you would show up for a week and um, we're going to spend the mornings doing talks from the mentors, but then in the afternoons you're actually going to go off and um, develop a lightning application. And so um, we're, we're looking for people who can execute, you know, within a week and, and build something. Um, so people with full stack web development experience are great. Um, but yeah, it's worth pointing out that, that we're not, unlike previous residencies, we're not looking for people who necessarily are, you know, really fluent with Bitcoin. Um, we're hoping that, we're going to kind of communicate uh, enough of the, the the Lightning API so that you can, um, you know, maybe understand a little bit about the protocol, but not be like a, a protocol expert, um, uh, just so that you can use one of these Lightning demons and, and build something on top of it. So the something on top of it is really the, the emphasis in terms of what your background is. 
So, um, you know, since people are going to be building an app, you know, they have to kind of think of stuff. So Koala and James, uh, if someone, you know, whether they are able to make the residency or not, are interested in producing Lightning apps because they're just excited about the technology, um, but they don't know what to build, what are suggestions you have for them as to just like how to come up with some, some idea and execute on it? Um, Koala's the so, experts, so I'll let him go first. <laughs> um, so, so, so I think that um, payments, like in the Western world, they're, everybody's like comfortable with like going into a shop and just like using their card or, or whatever latest app like Squares Cash or whatever. I, to me, like it doesn't feel like doing over-the-counter uh, payment solutions, even though I think they're going to come, um, provides that sort of like 10x improvement in, in user experience. And so the way I, I want to, I like to think about Lightning is, well, uh, what can it actually like solve? Um, what problem can it solve? Uh, and what can you do with it that's not possible to do with the existing system or like with the Stripe API or stuff? And stuff and um it's kind of hard like it, it, obviously like microtransactions is is um uh probably the the thing that it does best and really like might be the one that like uh, uh we, you know we finally have a way to to do true microtransactions but it gets tricky because uh simply saying oh i'm gonna like uh charge like micro amounts um uh hits into this sort of like mental barrier where we like humans are like really bad at like um worrying about like how many fractions of a penny they're paying for like a kilowatt for example yeah uh, like what nick zabo talks about yeah and and then um like netflix for example you don't want to think about um every minute that you're consuming when you're watching um uh, i don't know mr robot uh or whatever it, and there's actually like a lot of experiments uh, showing how there's like a psychological pain associated with that experience. And so we much rather like just pay a subscription uh, monthly. Um, so then that begs the question, well, uh, how can you implement micropayments um, in, in like in these experiences or, or games or whatever? Um, and so it might just be that you wanna, it, it's just a way for like, uh, opening up uh, or making like anybody accept uh, digital payments uh, permissionlessly. Um, so th the way I'm thinking of it right now is like, well, okay, games is really cool because it's it's like a niche that you can uh, consider, and uh, there's a lot of interesting things that you can think about, like digital assets and and whatever. Uh, but uh, the thing that really excites me is that, you know, a 16-year-old in Cambodia can start, like, b building a game and, uh, you know, not worry about having a bank account or signing up to Stripe or, or you know, authenticating with the Apple Store or whatever. They can just go, oh, um, set up a Lightning node um, and then I'll accept Lightning payments. And there you go. Um, but then... Uh, you need to still consider like, okay, how are you going to um, utilize this? So for instance, 
it might just be that you use it to accept like a $10 payment into your game. And then that is the credits that you have um, to then do whatever you want to do. I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. It's something that I've been like intensely studying in the last um, a couple of weeks. And I'm hoping to bring into the residency some of these uh, some of these thoughts. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, the other thing I would say is consider the fact that um, I think with Lightning, uh, we have a niche. Uh, and right now, you know, there's a couple of uh, dozen thousands of people, maybe, I don't know, maybe using this thing, the market's probably going to grow, but it's definitely like a niche. So you want to think of something that um, is appropriate for those for that for that target audience. Um, so I don't know, like maybe cryptography related games or like um, games which touch upon themes which uh, you know resonate with the Bitcoin community, um, things like that. I think once you manage to like connect with the audience, the people are pretty open in in like uh, making it rain because. I mean, we're Bitcoiners. We we want to use this stuff. We're we're not only like uh, developing this stuff for the sake of it. We actually want to use it. And you you saw that with like the tipper bots and stuff in in Reddit. So um, I think that's what, what one of the really nice things. It's like it's easier to focus on on the application when it's like a bit more of a niche. I think. Um, and in terms of like actually getting your hands dirty. Uh, I think if you have like a, a gaming background, uh, if you're like a Unity developer or you work used to working with like N, uh, Unreal or like um, any of those uh, game frameworks, then that's a plus. If you're a web developer as well. Um, and then I would just say start um, running a node, just like experiment with uh, installing your own node. You can use like a, a cloud provider for hosting and stuff. Then you can use testnet as well. You don't need to worry about like spending real Bitcoin and I don't know, just, just make stuff. That's really well I found Get requests. Yeah, uh, something I found really interesting about uh, working with L and D is they use this RPC protocol called GRPC. And basically you can auto generate. It's not, it's not perfect, but you can auto generate an API for whatever language you're using, whether it's Python or C Sharp or um, whatever else. And uh, it gives you, uh, first of all, like it gives you types and it, it gives you uh, a lot of things for free that you wouldn't get with a normal JSON RPC interface. Um, and I, I'd encourage people to go check it out because I, I've never, I had never used it before, before uh, programming with LND. And I found it to be really interesting. And now I'm thinking about like other places where I could use gRPC. And it also gives you bi-directional uh, communication, which you don't get with normal JSON RPC. Yeah, yeah. For for web developers, I don't know, just personally, I, I wasn't used to like the gRPC um, interface. I'm more of like a REST or GraphQL background. Um, but yeah, and, and also for C Lightning, there's um, uh, this thing called Lightning Charge that you just, it's like an NPM global also, package. Also just, Sheshack, right? Yeah, yeah, that guy's a beast. And uh, uh, it's really nice. Like it just sets up a, a, a REST endpoint um, that's authenticated. 
and that's that's what I use for Stoji's place. I just hit that to generate the the invoice, uh, and then um, it's a there's a WebSocket as well, so you can listen to to payments, and that might just be all you need, you know, like for just to, to bake something. That's that might just be all you need. Um, yeah, um, that's cool. In the spirit of uh, appealing to a niche audience, I've been kind of kicking around this idea for BitcoinPerf.com, which is a, a benchmarking website. So um, right now we, we do periodic benchmarks of um, the master branch on Bitcoin, which is like the, the latest development version. Um, and I kind of want to open up uh, the ability to benchmark an arbitrary pull request so that um, people who are proposing changes can can uh, basically test to see if they've introduced a performance regression or if they've made things faster um, by using the same infrastructure that we use to benchmark master. But the obvious problem there is it's kind of like trivially docible. You know, you could just request that every single branch in the repo be built all the time um, and then shut down our infrastructure. So I've been thinking about trying to do some kind of like surge pricing based uh, lightning payment thing um, because uh, obviously uh, uh, Bitcoin core developer geeks should be playing around with this stuff. Um, and it's a it's a good way to it's a like Lightning is a great way to enable someone um, to sort of unbundle payments from identity. So there are a lot of yes. there are a few there are a few core developers out there who who don't want to be known and you know obviously wouldn't like friend request me on Venmo so that they can use my dumb benchmarking server. But um, if they have a frictionless you know anonymous way to send a payment um, without having to fill out a bunch of, you know, give me their first name, last name, address, and so forth, or, or some some payment processor, then, you know, they're way more likely to use that. So I think it's really it's really cool that, that Lighting kind of unbundles payment from identity. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a security thing uh, also. I mean, I've, I've dealt with uh, payment stuff and just the, the idea, for instance, and all, including, including um, some stuff with recurring payments and you have to like, you know, vault card information with a third party and have the ability to talk to that. And, uh, you know, it's unsettling just even like it, it's, a, it's a thing that everyone does. But it's unsettling to actually like see it in progress of like all of this information just being stored, um, as opposed to just showing up with here's my money, give me the thing I want. I want I want your yeah. thing. You want my money? Trade and that's it. Yeah, and, and James, you've touched upon something that uh, I think is really important. It's um, the the DDoSing uh, protection that you get from just putting sort of like a, a lightning paywall in front of your service, like Satoshi's place. Uh, effectively is also like a DDoS protection mechanism like the because if you think about it like if, if the service was just simply open then you know anybody could just like flood the the, um, the endpoint and whenever you draw there's like this sort of encoding of an image decoding of an image uh, loading that into the database loading that out and uh, you could easily just like kill the, the service um, so yeah that, that's a really good point um, uh, the DDoSing, the uh, the the recapture of the future. It'll say, you know, you know, draw a smiley face on Satoshi's place. <laughs> you have to you have to pay the lightning. You know, the Satoshi's to draw a smiley face. It's like, okay, you're not a robot, or even if you are, you paid me, so I'm fine with you. Troll a cashier. And the other th deterrent that is used is. Uh, rate limiting. So if you're using an API, they might say, oh, you can only do 30 requests per minute or something like that. 
Um, whereas with Lightning, they could have it be where you pay per request and it might increase exponentially if you're trying to do things, you know, in a high frequency. Um, but otherwise, it gives you a lot of more freedom than any arbitrary rationing system like uh, rate limiting. It could also be where you you get, you know, your, maybe it's like the free tier. Um, you can set up a lightning channel as well, and you get up to this amount free, and then afterwards pay as you go um, so that yeah. if you only go over that rate limit sometimes, you only have to pay for that instead of having to go buy a business plan for 500 bucks a month just to get uh, a couple extra requests every once in a while. Yeah, and like sign up systems, for example, like traditionally you're, you're doing like you're checking their IP and see if like they, they're hitting that endpoint multiple times and then you're blocking it and stuff. Well, in this case, you just say, OK, well, pay like a tiny fraction to sign up and then you're kind of like automatically protected. I think actually this uh, this might be like the solution that Adam Beck was trying to figure out when when he invented hash. Um, Hash cash, because I was just gonna say it's poetic that we're kind it of all turning comes to from that full yeah. circle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then even as a client consumer, if you're thinking about a programmatic use, like if you're say consuming from Twitter's API, and then all of a sudden a special event happens and your application is getting increased traffic, and you want to raise your you want to raise the rate that you're willing to pay, if they have a Lightning API um, that does a kind of graduated you know, pricing spectrum, you, you can, as a client, decide how much throughput you consume. Um, whereas now you would have to like renegotiate the rate out of band, maybe if they even allow that. So it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. yeah and uh, so one of the things I, I wanted to incentivize with uh, Satoshi's place and actually like the whole point when I like opened up the API was I wanted people like to build stuff um, on top of it. Uh, like, for example, uploading an image. I never like wanted to implement that on the actual game because I thought, okay, I want somebody to actually do this. And then eventually people did. They, they made like a Twitter bot you could like uh, tweet a picture to and then it would uh, post a QR code and you pay that. And and then somebody on, on the Discord channel did that as well. Um, and, and the thing I was thinking at the time was because you can daisy chain services like this. So Satoshi's Place charges one, uh, one Satoshi per pixel Somebody else makes a service that um, lets you upload an image, and you know if you use that service, that service gonna is gonna ask is gonna like send data to my API and create uh, get an invoice, right? But the service itself could generate his own uh, invoice with a surcharge, um, and then that would like trigger a chain of payments. Uh, yeah, and I think that's awesome because it's like. That service, I don't need to care about what that service does, or there's no like authentication needed. All I care about is they're paying my rate, um, and then they can actually monetize themselves. Um, so, yeah, I, I would dare say that Lightning will actually like um, spawn some kind of some of these uses, like uh, second or ter third level services that kind of daisy chain off of each other. Um, it's kind of like a if this then that. Uh, does that, but add on top of it the fact that you don't need to be sharing all of these API keys with everyone exactly. and giving everyone access to different apps. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. It's really cool. All right. Do you guys have any uh, closing thoughts? Uh, James, you want to uh, shill the residency one more time? Yeah, absolutely. Lightningresidency.com. Um, 
come apply. Even if you don't think you're qualified, you're probably qualified. Uh, so definitely apply. It's a great opportunity. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have extracurricular event, events. New York City is a lot of fun. So so come on over and, and uh, learn about white, lightning for a week. Hang out with Koala. He's going to be there. Pierre'll Pierre, I'm sure in some capacity show up. He's a he's a local. So um, uh, yeah, it, it'll be great. And it's in Manhattan over by the Flatiron Building in, in that part of Manhattan, which is uh, just fantastic. So I think that that will be a great experience for anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I already have errata for this episode. So I was like uh, just checking my work a little bit. And um, one of the, the hypothetical attacks that I propose for lightning uh, doesn't actually work out because I mistakenly uh, assume check clock time verify works only in terms of wall clock time, which I always forget it doesn't. You can specify block height, and I think indeed uh, lightning contracts specify in terms of relative block height. So uh, never mind about that. All right. Uh, Koala, do you have any uh, last parting thoughts? Um, yeah, you guys should definitely come to the residency. I think uh, the other guys uh, who are going to be speaking are like, way better than what whatever i have to offer yeah don't sell yourself short if you're excited about like talking about lightning games and and stuff then you're going to be like blown away by what the other guys have uh in store i'm sure uh i think it's going to be an amazing week and i'm really looking forward to it awesome uh bit scene do do you want to close out the show uh sure uh, first of all, remember, it's lightningresidency.com. Everyone go apply. Um, otherwise, you know, thank you guys for joining. Um, uh, Lightning Koala, uh, where can we find you online? Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at Lightning Koala with uh, an O, sorry, a zero instead of an O. And I'm on GitHub as well. Um, that's about it. And James? I'm uh, at James O'B on Twitter and GitHub. Excellent. Uh, well, everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, if you uh, if you like our show, we we're doing live streams now. Um, so if you want to contribute bitcoins on a or I guess a just fiat on a monthly basis, you can do so through uh, Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash Noted. Although if you send us uh, Bitcoins as well. well. We'll get you into the live stream. Um, so uh, you know, if we've been, if you're enjoying the show, uh, definitely, you know, consider consider helping us out so we can produce more content for you. We we love doing this. Otherwise, uh, thanks again, James. I think this is this your second time on the show. This is my second time. Yep. Always a pleasure. So you've caught up with uh, John. Well, we need to do a one-on-one with James as well and kind of hear what his uh, Bitcoin story is. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> right on. Uh, but otherwise, uh, thank you guys for joining us um, and hopefully we'll see you guys again on here soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for having us. I want to tell you something else and I want to make this clear. Don't just listen. Don't just listen. Do. I'm, I'm not just talking. So, you know, I'm not just talking. I'm doing. 
And I don't want you to just listen. Put this information to work. Make today count every day. Go forward. Get aggressive and attack, whether it's on the battlefield or on the beat or in the factory or on the farm or on the construction site or on the website, in the garage or in the firehouse. Don't hesitate. Step. Step forward and get after it.